pickaxe. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify. The global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hello, good evening and welcome to One Life Left on Resonance 104.4 FM. My name is Steve Curran. Hello, I'm Simon Byron. And together we are the presenters of One Life Left, which is a video game radio show. What is that, you ask, as people have been asking for like the last 16 or 17 years? Well, it's a radio show, first and foremost, not a podcast, although you might be listening to it as a podcast. Lucky for you. We'll talk about how that happens later in the show. Um... It's a radio show about video games. We talk about video games on the radio. We are blessed with that opportunity. Thanks to Resonance 104.4 FM, the best radio show, uh, radio station in the world. Um, yeah, we've been doing it for ages, and that's why, as you can probably tell, we're so good at it. <laughs> we, we won an award once, didn't we? Yeah. <laughs> we did. We won an award once. I actually found, found a photo from that. Um, it has Simon, me... And Scanters in the photo, Simon, me and Anne. Uh, but it's actually not the right Simon. It's Simon Parkin. And whatever happened to him? Well, you say not the right Simon. Some would argue. <laughs> Some would argue. <laughs> they would argue, but people are argumentative. They would argue incorrectly. Simon Parkin, of course, friend of the show, who went on to be a best-selling author. Is he a best-selling author? Yeah, they all are these days, Steve, aren't they? Him, Keith. Everyone else. That's everyone else. <laughs> everyone we know. Well, we're still bumbling along with our with our radio show, not a podcast. And, you know, it does okay, as you'd be able to tell from the, uh, you know, the atmosphere on our Discord, which no doubt we will bore you with by talking about later in the show. It's been two weeks, though, since our last show, hasn't it, Simon? It has been two weeks. You were, you would, uh, what was your excuse for last week? Um, I had... <laughs> Another engagement, uh, which unfortunately took up the Sunday afternoon when we record this, and we tried to push it to the Monday, uh, but that was impossible for childcare-related reasons and work-related reasons, and therefore we did not get an opportunity to do the show last week, but we are back this week. Sorry about that. Was was the other engagement worth it, Steve? Was it uh, worth the loss 
to our listeners? It was worth it for me. It probably wasn't worth... Actually, it's nice to give them a break as well, isn't it? <laughs> Little one. Let them catch up. Let them understand what it is they're missing. I've We've had so many people checking in on the Discord saying... Because we've got a little introduction folder there. And people checking in going, Hello, uh, I've been listening since, you know, since for 10, 12 years now. And I am astonished. So well done you if you've been listening that long. And also, well done you if you've been listening for as long as two or three weeks. Because, goodness me, takes it out of us. Must take it out of you as well. I'm a little bit poorly this week, actually, Steve. So I must apologise in advance for, you know, uh, an even lower quality than my usual low quality. Um, I've got a cold, a cough and a cold. Very tired. I don't know what's going on there. So um, hopefully we'll be able to get through it. But apologies if I drift off during it. It'll be nothing that you've said. (laughs) We'll be able to tell from the clicking noises in the background anyway. Um, Anything else going on with you? Oh, I got a big week this week. Um, so it's my wife's 40th birthday on oh Tuesday, goodness. which has meant that I've had to organise a lot of stuff. Um, and now, you know, as we hurtle towards the day itself, I've got uh, doubt creeping in. I've got mm. concern about stuff happening. Is she going to like it? Is she not going to like it? I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not the most organised person at the best of times, but when... When you know, when you're when it's time to step up, I do worry. <laughs> well, you see, I, I think, and not to turn this into a moment of um, self pity, but I think people like us with partners in that age bracket have been incredibly unlucky because my partner's fortieth just before lockdown, right? Your partner's fortieth, couple of days During after. It. Oh, after it, yeah, yeah. All the rules lift. You know, for those people whose partner's birthday fell in that 15, 16-month period, which is a big target... Um, it's mo- you know, most of the birthdays, isn't it? It's most, as far as I understand. It's, it's pretty much everyone. Well, what could you do? Unfortunately, I would have thrown you the hugest thing, all the celebrations, but unfortunately the government doesn't allow it, and instead, here is yeah. this small but heartfelt thing. No, you're right, because... Um... Uh, uh, the uh, England is lifting its restrictions tomorrow, and it's Kate's birthday on Tuesday. So I've so, <clears throat> but we didn't know for sure that they were lifting until last week, and so this we're existing in this sort of, mm. you know, halfway uh, dream time where we didn't know what was going on. Were we going to have to sit outside? Was there a chance we could sit inside? So yeah, so, I've got, so cautiously, yeah. cautiously, you've moved to Wales just in case. <laughs> I will at least be able to hug her. We know that that's legal. So yeah, Finally. lots going on there. Mm. Excellent. Well, um, yeah, I've had a fairly dismal. I was going to say fairly dismal week. It's been a fairly dismal two weeks since the last one I've left. So let's just move on. Should we get on with the news? Let's get on with the news. Simon, what have you got for us this week? 
Well, let me tell you, Steve, that, uh, you know, whilst doing the research that I do do before the show, which is, you know, normally about 20 minutes beforehand, I will um, I will open up Eurogamer, bam, uh, Video Games Chronicles, bam, VG247, bam. Mm. Um, they all had exactly the same news stories uh, uh, all week, all week. Um, and none of them were interesting. So nothing happened this week. And actually, unusually, uh, prior to last week's no-show, I was looking forward to the news because it was all happening. And so, therefore, what I've decided to do is discount the most recent week's events and skip back to the uh, to what everybody was talking about. Very good. Uh, Very good. PC Gamer uh, writes, Epic spent more than $11 million on free games in the first nine months of giveaways. A document released as an exhibit in the Apple versus Epic lawsuit that got underway on Monday, uh, that's two Mondays ago, uh, reveals that Epic dropped more than $11.6 million on free games in the first nine months of its operation between December 2018 and September 2019. Game Discover co-founder Simon Carlos, who tweeted the image earlier today, explained that the document in question was one of several that were released prematurely. They weren't meant to go public until later in the trial, but were mistakenly included with Epic's documents, which were released today. All of the documents were quickly removed from the archive, but also appear to have been restored since. So this document pertains to the games that you would claim for free on the mm. Epic Store once a week, sometimes multiple copies a week. Did you did you see this a fortnight ago, Steve? I did, but, you know, if you'd asked me on last week's show, Simon, I'd be able to tell you, you know, my hot take on those numbers. As it is, it's all kind of drifted out of my brain. I remember being genuinely fascinated by those numbers at the time. At the time. I'm pleased to hear that, Steve, because that means that we're able to play... uh uh, a quiz version of higher <laughs> or lower. Uh, let's start you off, shall we, with For Honor from Ubisoft. How much do you think Epic paid to give that away to everybody? $200,000. I'll be more than that, won't it? It's to Ubi. It's got to be more than that. $300,000. $350,000. $63,000. <laughs> So, when all of these figures came public, what do you think that the BD people, the business, the, the biz dev uh, guys at each of the companies were thinking as they saw what everybody else had got? And what in particular do you think that Mr. Ubisoft BD guy, uh, when he saw that he got six, uh, an amount that's making Steve Curran laugh? <laughs> oh, well. Okay. That must have been a difficult day in the office for, well, probably about half of them and the other half are laughing, right? <laughs> So how does that place uh, For Honor, do you think, with regards to Fez? So, uh, well, Phil Fish notoriously drives a hard bargain. Slippery customer. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, he's always angling for a good deal. (laughs) Shark. Carping on. Cod. Cod, I was going to say. That's where I was going. They always play Call of Duty. So, I, what, so you want me to give a figure for? for well, for first of all, higher or lower than For Honor? Well, higher. Uh, okay, I would. So that must be around two hundred fifty. Seventy-five thousand. Really? 
Like this giving away games like Lark doesn't seem as expensive as as, as uh, you'd have thought, does it? Maybe we can no. set one up. <laughs> Let's drop Phil Fish an email and ask how much <laughs> whether we can give away Fez. Mm, just okay. read it out, like read out the code line by line across <laughs> across another fifteen years. Um, Last one then. So uh, okay. Fez was seventy five thousand uh, dollars. Let's move to Oxen Free. One hundred and fifty. Ah, you are getting closer, Steve. Two hundred thousand dollars. Okay, all right. Um, I remember seeing. So, <laughs> one of the interesting things for me, or maybe the most interesting thing about the sheet, was not just that straight-up figure, but they also published the price per user they had acquired. Right. So, for all of these free games, to explain to our listeners who don't know. Uh, the purpose of Epic acquiring these games or paying for these games is so they could put them on their store for free. And that would drive users to download their storefront and install it on their PC. And so what Epic could see is how much it had cost them per user, how much they'd had to pay for each user uh, to come to their platform. And uh, I immediately looked straight away at who were the most expensive users. Right, who were them? Which, or alternatively, which games really had brought in the fewest per dollar uh, that had been spent? I think Mountain was on there, wasn't it? It's right at the foot of the table. I seem to. No, I can't see it on this. um, Okay. uh, So the most expensive ones are Celeste, unless Mm. that's your code name for Mountain, is it? No, no, no. But that's very good. Uh, But, but. Yeah, so, so I remember Celeste was quite... How much was it per user of Celeste? $12. Now, that's a, Celeste is a brilliant game, right? Why do you think it was so expensive per user? Well, I think it's tricky to actually write, uh, judge the games like this because um, let's say that... You know, I forget which what the first game that was, but everybody that downloaded it would have been a new user in inverted commas. Then when you've got mm. the second one, you, what you want is that those that weren't tempted by the first one, they're then the new users. And as yeah. you go on and on and on and on and on, actually, you know, you are you're you're chasing an mm. audience that hasn't already engaged with the uh, store, and therefore they are um, harder to uh, grab hold of. So. Um, yeah, they were $12 per user. Inside was $11.12 per user. Um, Enter the Gungeon was six twenty. I mean, they're all indie games, aren't they? Whereas, mm. you know, things like Batman that they paid $1.5 million for, that was $2.44 per user. Um, so, yeah. Um, sorry, on, on the flip side, Super Meat Boy, very, very uh, efficient. Not, uh, 50 cents per <laughs> user. So yeah, you know, you 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 are. I don't think that it's a level playing field that you're judging all of these mm. games on, but still, it, it is interesting to see how certainly how they view it. Uh, there are a couple of stories that struck me on VG twenty four seven this week, both of which right. are uh, not really about the story itself, but how people responded to it, or or, or or maybe not about the content itself, but the shape of the story. The first one uh, that I saw was Returnal Dev hasn't yet figured out how to implement saves. Did you see this story? I did see this story. So Returnal, uh, you know, big game from our friends at Housemark and uh, has got astonishing reviews across the board, which has been great to see. Uh, Really, really excited to play it myself. When our dev kit PS5s arrive from Sony, which I assume will happen any day now. Um, And... 
really excited to play it, but the one negative point in all of the reviews has been that it hasn't got a save point. Uh, it forces people to put their PS5 into suspend mode um, or, or just turn off the game uh, midway through a, a, a game which is uh, up to a, maybe an hour and a half through, I think, for each run on that game, right? Um, so Housemark have been trying to work out how to do that. Anyone who's worked in, in game development knows that saving games... Uh, is not a trivial thing. Uh, managing the data involved is something that you have to approach from the point that you start developing the game. It's not an easy thing to patch in later. Um, but you wouldn't know that if you looked at Reddit at the time uh, <laughs> or comments sections, which are full of people going, I'm not a game dev, but surely isn't it as easy as... or you know, I've worked on a couple of games in my time, published a couple of things on uh, Android, and all you do is just, I don't know what's going on here. I think there's something bigger at play. <laughs> so that was, that, those were interesting for, you know. Do you ever read things on the internet just to make you annoyed, Simon? Uh, I, I find that's, you know, a natural byproduct of me reading things on the internet. So. <laughs> Yeah, uh, so I found myself just reading these stories just to read the comments, just to pin, find two or three of these things and just to internally lose my temper at those. The other weird story I saw on VG247 uh, this this week, written two days ago by Alex Donaldson, and the headline is, I don't get Mass Effect Legendary Edition's new level scaling setting. <laughs> <laughs> and the... And the lead, the lead, uh, the lead sentence on is maybe I'm missing something. Well, maybe you should drill into it a little further. Then perhaps, Alex, I don't know. Maybe I'm missing something. But Mass Effect's Legendary Edition's new level scaling system has me baffled. Alex goes on to explain why in the rest of the article, uh, which you know, Alex does you know fairly well. But it's certainly not the sort of uh, piece that I would run for an audience i'd be inclined to get in touch with the people who had given me the game or the pr and say i'm a little baffled at this could you explain what's going on yeah or you're supposed to file a certain number of pieces of copy by the end of friday (laughs) (laughs) you're contractually obliged to to go do 10 stories a week and you've done nine i mean i don't know i mean to be honest, how many paragraphs are in this story? Let me see. How many paragraphs do you reckon you could write on on something that baffles you on a game game uh, game decision game mode? Intro, intro, backed up a bit, backing up why why you're confused. Well, there's a difference bit... between uh, new and old yeah, things. So so, okay. Um, Intro is two paragraphs. First paragraph, maybe I'm missing something. That's more of the intro, right? That's the, 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 so the first, the intro thing says, there's lots of changes. They range from this to that, but I just don't get this. Right. Then you are entirely right. Go into a point which compares yep. this with the old version. Um, a paragraph about um, questioning the need for the change. Well, paragraph... Actually, you've missed a paragraph explaining exactly what the change okay. is. Right. Then a paragraph saying, I understand what it does, but why was it needed? Then 
Um, nonetheless, I'm going to carry on playing it. No, 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 no. Further okay. research. I'm not the only one confused. Reddit, Reddit, Reddit says this. Uh, okay. Um, and then some, you know, some theories on what it's for. For better or worse, another paragraph. If it's that, I'm still pretty puzzled. Another okay. paragraph. The end. Uh, surely it must end with what do you think about this? Uh, leave uh, leave comments below. It does not. I'm trying to find the comments section right now. Uh, oh, see comments on this article. <laughs> there are absolutely no comments on this article. <laughs> So I'm right. covered. Oh no, no, no! Sorry, there are there are plenty of comments on this article, um, and there are people offering their opinion uh, about the about the change. So, so there we go. Eight comments. Uh, I told you. I told you there was there were no news stories up from Absolutely the uh, most nothing. recent week. Absolutely. Um, so uh, actually, um, Sega did say something interesting this week. Um, again, from uh, PC Gamer. Uh, written by Natalie Clayton. Sega's latest financials reveal the publisher is planning something it calls a super game to be released within the next huh? five years. Spotted by VGC, the publisher's latest presentation outlined the company's plans going forwards. Key to Sega's five-year plan is this unknown super game, which the publisher only describes as a new IP with global reach. Sega doesn't expect massive profitability at first, but hopes the game's reach will help it grow massively over time. That, Steve, surely, is someone in um, on uh, Sega's management team realising that they've got nothing to tell their investors. <laughs> and therefore they're saying, no, 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 no. So we've got a super game. <laughs> what, so what is it? Right, so this super game is coming within the next oh, five years. Okay. Um, yeah, that gives but, us no. ages to work it out. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, but given, um, yeah, I <laughs> And then, given that they then go on to say, "Well, you know, we're not we're not certain that it's going to be massively profitable at first. We're already seeing the doubt this game that they've not. Yeah, I don't know. Very. Oh, good. No, good. No, that's great. Well done, Sega management. That's really good. Keep up that. This is absolutely a uh, sitcom, isn't it? In progress. The first couple of years are going to be fine because they'll be like, oh. We don't have to worry about this until <laughs> three years to go. Start to th- sketch something out. <laughs> super, we'll be super monkey ball. What other supers can we do? Yeah, well, that's it. Feet up. You're right. Feet up for a couple of years. How's a super game doing? <laughs> yes, fine. <laughs> Sorry. It's going on really fine. So can, can you, you save it? Bit? Can you save it? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. Save loads. Ah. <laughs> oh. Um, 20% of last year's Nintendo Switch sales were to households that already owned one. That's according to Garma Sutra and a friend of the show, Alyssa McAloon. Uh, even before releasing its entirely portable Switch Lite in 2019, Nintendo, Nintendo frequently named the fabled second household Switch as its biggest growth, or, growth opportunity in the West. Now Nintendo has shed some light on how that opportunity has played out. Speaking at Investor Q&A, President Shantaru Furukawa shared that roughly 20% of the Switch systems it sold 
during the year ending March 31st, 2021, were to households that already own the system. That means that around 5.8 million of last year's Nintendo Switch sales were to folks looking to pick up a second console. That's interesting, isn't it, Simon? That is interesting. I just wish then, now that they know this and they're targeting it, please make family sharing a little easier. Hmm. Is that something you've suffered with in the past? Well, we are, uh, we're permanently a two-switch household, sometimes three when Dexter's over. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I've had to uh, set up my profile on their switches so that they can share my games that I've bought. You're, you're welcome, guys. <laughs> um, it means that they have to play as me and that they can't uh, do cloud saves because uh, that would then interfere uh, with my uh, saves. Um, so yeah, an, an easier way of doing it uh, would be hugely appreciated. Thanks very but much. But you seem to have no problem sharing your software library with your Russian relatives. Well, it is only in fairness within the household. It's, it's only me that speaks to my Russian friend. Why is that? He's very cold. It's very cold. It's very tight. <laughs> it's very tight as well. <laughs> um, yeah. Well. Uh, yeah, I don't. I, I I think there's a limit to the number of profiles that you can have up there. And given that I've got such an international mm-hmm. friends list, um, <laughs> I can't I can't duplicate that across all of the other switches. Sadly, but no, it, it it is interesting, and I do hope that you know when they encourage us to upgrade with the Switch Pro, which we revealed exclusively on One Life Left a, a few weeks ago. We did. Uh, or certainly the timing of it. Um, I hope that that comes with the idea that you are going to be able to share software amongst your household switches more easily. I mean, the thing to do with that, I would say, if I was in charge of Nintendo, is just make sure that every profile you share with has access to the credit card that you've got on file. So you could you would, you would would only do it with people that you trusted. Very good, Simon. You should work yeah. for Nintendo. I, sh- I you, should work for Nintendo. Are you going to get a uh, Switch Pro? Yeah. What are you going to do with your previous Switch? Ooh, that's a good question, isn't it? Because or are you going to be? That... Is it going to be more like a? You know, you. It's a pro day. You're feeling like take the pro out for a spin. Uh, Switch is more sort of casual, just like chilling out. But now you're feeling like a pro gamer. Uh, yeah, I don't know, Steve, actually. I uh, the, I mean, the smart thing to do would be to sell it, wouldn't it, before the Switch Pro comes out, but then I wouldn't have a Switch for a bit. Mm. Um, yeah, I don't know, actually. I'll, I'll keep you posted. Will we be able to buy one, though? Will we be able to buy one? Will we have to? Or will Nintendo do a better job than Sony of keeping uh, the world's longest-running wow. video game radio show in hardware? We'll find out. Well, when I work there, Steve, there'll be no <laughs> problems. <laughs> Good. Have you got any more news for us? Yeah, I mean, I do, but it's rubbish, so. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Simon. One life left video game news with Anne Scantleberry.
listening to One Life Left on Resonance 104.4 FM. We are a video game radio show just easing back into radio after a week's break. We're still not in the Resonance 104.4 FM studios. Hopefully that will happen soon. Now restrictions are starting to lift. Uh, we're broadcasting from our relative relative homes. They are our relative homes. and We've established you've got loads of relatives there. I've got some Dude. relatives here. Yeah. Uh, all of whom we're allowed to hug now. Um, you will occasionally hear the sound of traffic in my, uh, from my home in South London. And in the background of your home, Simon, what's going on? Uh, my daughter's just gone to bed. The sun, uh, you'll notice, changed position over the usual thing, so it's illuminating the right-hand side of my face. Um, I, do you know what I'm going to... I feel so rubbish... I'm going to go to bed immediately after this show, which is something that was discouraged at when we were in the studio. <laughs> Just bed down. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, we, we were a podcast as well, and we certainly love our podcast listeners as much as our radio show listeners. If you want to uh, download the podcast, subscribe. You can find out how to do that at www.onelifeleft.com. There you can also read the show notes, which have been lovingly put together by our under caretaker Phil. In those show notes you can find out the name of the music tracks that we play on the show. We can't tell you what those are right now because we don't know because we edit those in at the end of the show. I'm doing that tonight, aren't I, Simon? You are. Thank you very much, Steve. You are welcome. Um, yeah, I'll tell you how out of it I am at the moment. If you'd have said to me, uh, where can you go and download the show from? If you'd have paused like you often do, expecting me to fill it in, I would have said team at onelifeleft.com. <laughs> well, you can. I, 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 you can. People can just email us. We'll let you know on a one-to-one basis. That's the kind of service we offer on the radio show. Um, talking of team at onelifeleft.com, I think it's time for the letters, isn't it? letters. Right, Simon, what correspondence have we had over the last two weeks? Well, uh, there was this one that came in 21 hours ago uh, from Niall at nilesblog.de. Very, very aggressive subject line. Uh, he says, uh, so you, and he uses the, the second worst swear word, um, so you, that word, up your RSS feed, and the show didn't stop 1.5 years ago. Question mark, exclamation mark. Maybe <laughs> uh, the email is, seems like I've got some catching up to do, 7 out of 10. So it looks like we left uh, Niall um, hanging. I wonder what the cliffhanger was then. You know, 1. we did. 1.5 years ago. We did upgrade, in air quotes, our website about 1.5 years ago. Sorry, Niall. Uh, let's look into that. I don't think I got that email either. So. I guess this helps us drill a little bit more into... Uh, our uh, spam rules. Our spam rules. So yours yeah. lets cursing through. Second worst swear word. Second worst swear word. And yeah. mine doesn't, apparently. We have had you some do have, well, well, you do have sensitive ears, Steve, don't you? We've I always said that about you. Very, very much do. That's why I can hear all the clicking in the background. <laughs> uh, we had an email for last week's show uh, from Robert Wells... Uh, do you have access to that? Do you want me to crack on with it? Uh, you should read that because I've got some email from the Discord mailbag. Okay. Is it email from the Discord mailbag? Are we confusing our, our methods of communication there? Yes, we are. 
Okay, just checking. Robert Wells wrote, Hello team, hello hello SSG. You know I love a video game movie and I think the new Jumanji films where players are sucked into an old console are a fun take on the franchise. Today I learned there's a Jumanji, the next level mockbuster. The Asylum are a low-budget film studio famed for producing mockbusters with very similar names to current blockbusters. They made Snakes on a Train and Transmorphers. In 2019, they released the final level, Escaping Rancala, in which Sarah spends her last penny recreating the arcade her brother went missing from seven years earlier, only to discover he's trapped in one of the machines. Her two friends join her in battling through five levels to rescue her brother and hopefully get home. It is Bobbins. The thing I found remarkable is that because I've got some specialist knowledge, I kept overanalyzing things. The text throughout is classic Atari 8x8 quiz show font, but is often resized, which is jarring when you're trying to get a sense of resolution. The brother went missing in 2012 and is playing arcade classics, so it must have been a retro arcade even in the flashback. The machine directly behind the Rancala machine has had its name taped over, but it's clearly Star Wars Trilogy Arcade. Do you have trivia in your brain that gets in the way of good old nonsense? What's your favourite use of video game as a plot device? Pip, pip, Robert. Very good question. As ever, Robert, thank you so much for writing. It's boring, but clearly the best use of video games as a plot device is Tron. Of course it's Tron. Of course it's Tron, and certainly not Ready Player One. No, uh, but you know, Tron. Well, Tron took video games as inspiration, then, but then became a video game, didn't it? And it came a, uh, a couple of brilliant arcade games as well. So uh, yeah, that uh, that had the full spectrum covered. Uh, my my other favourite sort of, um, I guess it's not uh, it's not a plot device um, so much as it's used to infer something about the character. Uh, but I love um, Gallagher in War Games. War Games, I think, is an absolutely brilliant movie, and I uh, enjoy um, enjoy the scene with Matthew Broderick playing Gallagher right at the start and handing controls over to a, a kid um, after he's done brilliantly at the game. He's already smashing it. And my piece of related trivia is that um, for the production of that movie, they gave Matthew Broderick a Gallagher machine. What? True story. Uh, and then, of course, have you seen Wreck-It Ralph? I have seen Wreck-It Ralph, yes. And that, I mean, that's quite a playful take on what goes on behind the scenes of video games, um, assuming that these characters are all living within mm. their respective worlds. I thought that was that was pretty fun. It is fun, but then you start to think about the implications, because if they're <laughs> all living, then they all die by our hands a lot. And that can't be nice, can it? You know, you have to you have to play the, the you have to play the cards you dealt, Steve, don't you? <laughs> you do. I'm going to have a nap after the show as well. I think. Mm. Dear team, writes Dbot on the mailbag folder on our Discord. If you want to write a letter to One Life Left, you no longer have to go to the effort of um, emailing team at onelifeleft.com. Instead, you can just you log can f- on to our Discord and you can fax us a, dix- a Discord. <laughs> you can page us on Discord. <laughs> Dear team, writes Dbot, according to this site, he links, scamdoc.com, you are 51% trustworthy. 
That feels about 19% out. How many Bitcoins have you mined from your visitors to onelifeleft.com? Can you buy me a Tesla yet? He he asks. Um, What do you think? Do you think if you were to give us a trustworthy rating, Simon, do you think 51% sounds about right? What are we being trusted for? Or trusted Uh, to do? Well, I think in... (laughs) I think in in these terms, it's a it's a it's a bot looking at our site and going, "This looks a bit sketchy. What are these guys on about?" But I'm asking you from the point of a listener who just listens to two people at the current time uh, chatting on the radio uh, about video games. Do you think we come across more or fewer than fifty one percent trustworthy? <laughs> Well, come across, or 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 are we? I mean, I think we're very trustworthy. I mean, in fact, sometimes, you know, it happens. Let's say once every month, mm. uh, I'd, I'd I'd guess I come away from a show and go, mm, "You shouldn't have said that mm. because it was because it was too it, it was too much information or too honest." And mm. I uh, honestly, my biggest fear is that somebody will have heard it and and then alerted the journalists <laughs> who you know on a Friday evening have only filed nine nine news stories and then go, did you hear what they said on this show? We didn't know that that happened and then I'd lose my job. It's very true. You know, we can uh, poke gentle fun at people for writing articles about, I didn't understand. Uh, I'm not sure I understand how this bit of this game works. Uh, But we are grateful for those articles because they conceal the red-hot information that we broadcast on (laughs) lifeleft.com. And they also give us something to read out on the show. So thank you exactly. to keep them up. Alex and others. Uh, please, please keep it up. 50 so, yeah, things. well, I'd say, you know, that we are perhaps too trustworthy. <laughs> it's, it's everyone else you shouldn't believe. Agreed. Seven out of ten. Uh, thank you for all your letters this week. If you want to write in more to uh, One Life Left or post it on the Discord. If you don't want to join the Discord, the best way to get in touch with us is to write to team at onelifeleft.com. listening to One Life Left on Resonance 104.4 FM. Uh, we're a video game radio show, and I'm having a nice time, Simon. It's been too long, in two weeks, uh, <laughs> since I saw you and since I spoke to you. Um, a lot's changed in that two weeks. We're going to talk about some of that in the review section, uh, but the biggest thing for me is I've reclaimed my living room, which means I've 
got the VR out again. Oh, great. Mm. When was the last time you popped into VR? Uh, it would have been a couple of weeks ago when Dexter wanted to play something and I put on my quest, realised it wasn't charged and then he couldn't play anything. So, um, yeah, that was the last time I tried, certainly, a couple of weeks ago. I saw that uh, for the first time in a while, I think since... Um, maybe since Half-Life Alex, or maybe before that, I've seen a VR video game getting a lot of buzz this week. Have you seen that? Is it the board game one? It is the board game. Demio, is that how you say it? Demio. I don't know. That's the first time I've heard it out loud. I've only read it off the internet. So what do you know about, let's say, Demio? Demio? Demio. Um, <laughs> uh, it's Dungeons and Dragons, isn't it? It's uh, where you um, and your mates uh, play, uh, uh, d- go adventuring across a series of board game-inspired locales. Mm. Um, but they come to life in VR. So uh, it sounds like one of those ideas. Oh, of course. Why didn't I think of that? Yeah, um, exactly. I mean, in typical One Life Left, uh, go deep on the research style, I've only watched the Steam trailer for this with the sound off. Okay. So <laughs> that's more research than we usually do, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> so what I know from this is, seems to be, you whack on your headset and then you stood around a, um, a, you know, what looks like a D&D board where you can move your characters, roll some dice, but you get to see everything animate and it's it looks like a nice hybrid between a video game and that kind of um, social D&D component. And that's what I've read. Um, well, that's what I've read people saying on Twitter that this is the first VR game they've seen to really do social right, um, which makes me quite excited. Okay, well, maybe we should give it a go. I mean, I, I played uh, Bridge Crew with some real humans uh, mm-hmm. during the first uh, first lockdown, um, and, uh, you know, that was, that was all right, but this one certainly looks a lot better. I'll tell you how I heard about it. Um, you know, and look, I don't mean to brag, Steve, <laughs> but I'm... I'm, I was going to say friends, I'm friends with Tommy Palm on LinkedIn. I think you are friends, aren't you, on the business yeah, of course network you are. LinkedIn. Friends with Tommy Palm, um, who uh, was, um, uh, he was, he was the main guy behind Candy Crush, right? And now he's gone off and he's done, uh, I think he's, uh, he backs um, many, many things. He does that, uh, um, what's that Swedish dev retreat Um Stu Garden, Stu, Stu, uh, something like that. Um, that uh, lots of indies get get to go off and make some games in um, beautiful looking locations. Anyway, he is the CEO of Resolution Games who make it, and um, he said that it succeeded uh, half a million in revenues. Wow! Uh, Forty eight hours. So that's not bad for a VR game, is it? It is not bad. So, what I was thinking is, Simon, I know you had that um, experience on, what? sorry, Bridge Crew? Star, Star Trek Bridge Crew, yes. Right, and I, honestly, uh, this was before I got my quest, and it was one of the things that motivated me to get a quest, because I was jealous. Uh, Were you? Yeah, I don't like you going off and playing video games with other people like Mike Channel. I haven't done it again, Steve, I'm sorry. Well... I told him to stop, to stop bridge crewing me. <laughs> he keeps calling me a hoorah. 
so I um, so I thought, you know, I'll get myself a quest. And I've done that, and now there's an opportunity to enter a vertical uh, enter a virtual space with you, like they do in Ready Player One. And I'd like you to be my. I'm gonna buy it. Uh-huh. Um, have you got it on Quest or have you got it on Steam? I've got it on Steam. Okay, is it cross-platform? Shall I ask my friend Tommy Palm? Uh, you just drop him a message. He doesn't put many. He doesn't put many pictures up. Of his family <laughs> on LinkedIn. <laughs> <laughs> what are you meant to like then? Are you meant to applaud? You want to see what he thinks about Brexit? <laughs> <laughs> um. So. So yeah, I think uh, I think we should put together a little D and D. Gotta do it. Group by now. Maybe involving Mike. I don't know. He's Let's got his see. Own, well, he's got his own little D and D gang, hasn't he? Does he? Yeah, he does very well. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not. I'm not obsessed with him like you are. <laughs> it seems. Okay, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to find whether it is cross platform because I'm not. That there'll be nothing. It'll be like the end of Doctor Who season two, Steve. <laughs> if I buy it on Quest and I'm stood there with a VR headset on and you're playing it, but we can't touch each other, <laughs> separated by by one platform's cross plat <laughs> cross play uh, policy. You'll see me play with Mike. <laughs> so I'll be, I'll be, I'll be with Tommy Palm. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think we should, I think we should put that together, and maybe we can. Um, okay. Maybe I'm bang can... up for that. Can I claim on expenses? Yeah, I think so. Twenty-two. Maybe we can uh, stream some of it or something and okay. become as become as uh, successful as outside Xbox at streaming their <laughs> games. I don't think about Let's him all see. the time. Not all the time. Barely at all. Right. Just when he's with you. Should we get on with <laughs> Should we get on with the reviews? Let's do it. Alright, Simon, what have you been playing in the last two weeks? Two weeks, two games. As well that's, that's good. Uh, well done. As that famous internet video goes. <laughs> uh I've been playing um Hood, Outlaws and Legends. Oh, I saw uh, that on um, my Steam recommended yesterday. It's good. So, um, I it's it's one of these. Uh, well, it's I say one of these. Uh, it's PvPVE. Although okay. it might be PVE be PVE be P. Basically, players versus players versus NPCs. That's uh, which not... is wait, yeah, PV yeah E PvPVE. No, but players, versus is, players is is NPCs. Is PVE NPCs? Yeah. I always thought PVE was just players versus everyone. Like that's PVP. I don't know. We're gonna have to. I don't we're, know we're, either. We're, we're gonna have to. I, I thought. No, surely don't make me doubt myself, Steve. I've okay. had too much of that over recent months. <laughs> PVP is. Oh, fuck. anyway, it's anyway. You play against some computers. Computer control characters and other teams. Basically, there are teams of four set in the Robin, set in the out of copyright Robin Hood, Robin Hood world, uh, where you and uh, three other merry men, all women. Is it, uh, is it out of copyright? <laughs> it must be. It must well, who, be. I don't. Think... Isn't it just a piece of mythology? Like, yeah. Well, so, yeah. What I mean well, is that it, it, it's a it's a life, it's a you know it's a game based on a familiar oh, property, but okay. for which no royalties are changing hands. Okay. Right. Um, uh, set in the in the uh, in the Robin Hood world, uh, so teams of four go in um, and they need to steal gold. 
uh, from the Sheriff okay. of Nottingham. And this goes through a three-stage uh, process. First of all, you need to find the Sheriff. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, so it's you and three others. Um, and uh, you can pick uh, different characters, got different skills. You know, there's sort of melee combat. Uh, there's more stealth stuff, etc., uh, etc. Et so uh, pick a character that uh, plays to your strengths and then work with a team to fulfill these three stage objectives. Find the sheriff, steal the key, okay? Sheriff from Nottingham. I'm not sure if you remember him from uh, from the familiar lore. He's, he's, he's massive, hard as nails, man. One hit kills. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, you need to steal the key from him. Uh, you need to take the key, key find the vault, uh, and then move uh, the gold to a winch point and then winch it, winch it it away. Now, whilst you're doing that and taking out uh, the various guards, etc., so is another team uh, ah, on another okay. side of the map. Um, hence the VP, which I think we can both agree is versus players. Mm. Um, uh, and so, yeah, it's fun. Uh, so uh, it's like... Um, it reminded me very much of one of the modes in uh, Star Wars Battlefront, or one of the modes that you may see in Star Wars Battlefront. But that's all there is in this at the moment. It's just that, just that mode, um, and it's good. You know, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of the of the of the world of Robin Hood, um, and so uh, yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed uh, playing with strangers. I don't have my own merry men, sadly, on, on my uh, don't have a team of them yet. Um, yeah, and it's good. Um, it, it, it's it, it it needs some work, even though it's not in early access. It doesn't feel like it's quite refined yet I think there are some balancing issues um, at certain pinch points within the game but uh, overall thoroughly enjoyable super cheap as well like, I think it's sort of £25 something like that um, they are selling battle passes and stuff like that but certainly it's not expensive to get into uh, and definitely well worth checking out if you're a fan of this sort of game 7 out of 10 do you have to communicate with your team you, you have do, to talk do, to strangers. Yes. Okay. Well, you don't have to talk to them. You can you can ping, okay. um, but uh, talking is very much encouraged. How's that going? Have you met anyone nice? I don't like talking to people. Mm, me neither. And that's kind of what puts me off these games. I really, really, really want to play that kind of small-scale multiplayer thing, especially against the CPU. But I don't want to play against other people, and I really don't want to play with strangers either. Um, I, I want, um, you know, four to 12 players against the CPU working together on a little mission. And I don't know anything that provides that at the moment. Uh, if any of our listeners do, please, please let me know because I'm super, super into that idea. Uh, and hopefully this will, <laughs> maybe, maybe, you know, there'll be more game modes in, in this, which expand out into that and delete the other team because the VP version of part of it is not interesting to me. News just in. PvE. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were mm-hmm. both wrong. Okay. Player versus... In- although I was right in spirit. Um, <laughs> player versus... <laughs> player versus environment. Is it? Yeah. Uh, so that basically means, according to cyberdefinitions.com, a site <laughs> uh, <laughs> there's clearly a need for, uh, yeah. for idiots on a radio show, it's an abbreviation used in online gaming with the meaning player versus environment. PvE games reply- require players to fight computer-generated monsters or enemies. As opposed to fighting other human players as required in PvP, player versus player games. Um, okay, I've got a I've got two pieces of business that I've got to remember to tell you at the end of the reviews. So okay. remind me about those. Yep. Those have just come through on the phone. If I don't remember, remind me about those. Two pieces okay. of any other business. Um, 
Right, the review, the games that I've been playing uh, over the last two weeks. I've played Streets of Rogue. Have you played that? I saw you did. No, I haven't played it, but I saw that you were playing. It was recommended to you by our friends on the Discord, wasn't it? It was, uh, which was really, really helpful. It was kind of exactly the sort of thing I was looking for. So it is a top-down, I would describe it as a Deus Ex-alike, roguelike. Um, you are... Um, well, you select a character with different abilities... And you, uh, a level is generated, and you move around uh, again, top-down perspective, trying to perform simple generated missions. So they may be break into this building and hit three switches, or they may be assassinate this player or get this item. And depending on your abilities, you can do that in different ways. So, for example, you could be the medic and you can chloroform some people and sneak in and then hit the buttons without anyone noticing. Or you can be a soldier and go in all guns blazing and blow up a wall and free someone. Or you can be, uh, you know, lots and lots of different characters, lots and lots of different solutions. Um, and it's really, really interesting. It is uh, an, uh, the, the gameplay is emergent, right? It's meant to be... Uh, one of those things where you have to think on your feet. So you'll come in with a plan and stuff will go wrong and you'll adapt to that. I always find like I am envious of other people's experiences playing these games because typically my experience is I come up with a plan, it goes wrong after one thing and then I end up shooting everyone (laughs) or getting shot and then completing the mission or not. There's clearly a lot of cool, cool stuff to discover in Streets of Rogue uh, and a lot of nuanced, emergent things to experience, but I really never got to find any of those. My experience was always the same, was that I wasn't finding this cool stuff and was just killing or being killed. So I do kind of think it's it's somewhat user error. I found a lot of the stuff overwhelming um, in there, the, the, the detail, um, but maybe that's just my brain. As I said on the Discord, I don't think I enjoyed it as much as I wanted to enjoy it. I really, really did want to enjoy it. Um, it just didn't click with me. Seven out of ten. Uh, I've played some other stuff as well. Oh, the other thing I wanted to mention. Have you played Star Wars Pinball? In I've not. VR? No, that's just no, no, I haven't. Um, it, it came out on May the fourth, didn't it? It did. Uh, it's six, I think, or maybe eight Star Wars pinball machines. Uh, it uses VR, the locomotion, um, method is, uses the stick to move around, uh, and that made me feel sick instantly, and so I only got to spend about five, uh, five minutes playing the actual pinball, which was really, really good, um, except for the fact that I couldn't find a nice way of adjusting your height in it, so I was at quite an awkward angle behind the uh, pinball machine. And that's still a thing that in... I've had that problem in a few VR games. I think you have to go into the Oculus settings and adjust where you are in that, and it's really, really bad user experience. Uh, Games need to sort that out generally. Uh, But the pinball itself is excellent, really, really fun. Genuinely reminds me of playing an actual pinball table. If you like Star Wars pinball, as I used to when I was at university, you'll love this. It is kind of weird because when you're playing it, characters from the movies just kind of wander out from behind the machine and kind of look at what you're doing and look at you. (laughs) And then kind of like shrug and just walk away. And it's, (laughs) it's, it's, it's really odd. 
but sort of cool, I guess. Uh, I guess when you've got a, um, a VR game, you've got a license to make a VR version of this pinball, or Star Wars pinball in VR, you're forced with like a question, which is, okay, how do we make this VR-y? What do we actually... What can we do? We've got license to all these characters. We can include them, but what can we do? Pinball is a game played with two flippers, and you're stood in one space for the whole thing. Uh, so, yeah, well, we'll have these characters. <laughs> what can they do? Just kind of wander out, say hello. Darth Vader rocks up, does he, and just looks at you, shakes, shakes his yeah, head. Yeah, just shakes his head, just like, hmm, it's not how I do it, mate. Anyway, you could have got you. could have got a multi ball yeah. there. Yeah, you wanna you wanna just nudge it. You wanna just nudge that- it. Try try this. <laughs> just give it a little whack. All right, goes off to the bar. Anyway, uh, seven out of ten. Enjoyed it. The end. Good. Uh, I I mean I can tell you very quickly about Resident Evil Village. Um, in that I'm three hours in. It's really good. Super pretty. Mm. Um like really gross uh, in my mind you know i'm i'm an older man M- my son who was over this weekend came over yesterday finished it before he went home today <laughs> it's the first resident evil game he's ever finished i think he seemed quite taken with it i did pop up into his room check that he was okay at one point he was showing it off to his eight-year-old uh, nephew right. um, who was also and i was like come on are you all right he's like yeah no i think his eight-year-old nephew was was telling me that he hadn't seen because he, he went in there because he admires he sort of looks up to Dexter and uh, and all the rest. I was like, no, come away, come away, come away. Okay, how you feel? Right? Um, Dexter, I asked Dexter didn't see anything that uh, um, that uh, concerned him, uh, but yeah, no, he thoroughly enjoyed it and and finished it as well. And, he, and it's yeah, the first Resident Evil game he's ever finished, and I think the first ever game that we've both been playing that he's finished before me. So there we go, uh, seven out of ten. Uh, I saw on Steam that had 20,000 reviews and 95% positive feedback, which right. is astonishing Good job. Uh, for Steam audience. So well done to Capcom. I might have a crack at that as well this week. Mm. Knock it down to easy. That's what I would suggest, Steve. No harm in that. Now, quickly, we're running out of time. You had two things to tell me. Thank you. Uh, so first thing, uh, I did play the cat spot the difference, uh, sorry, hidden cat object game and the hidden snail object game uh, that I said I would update. It took me an hour and 23 minutes to find the final snail, but I did it. I now have 100 out of 100 snails proving that you can find all 100 objects in that game. I have not yet found the final cat. Uh, I sunk another <laughs> 25 minutes into that and then felt less motivation because I was like, I've proven that you can get 100 out of 100. It isn't just a weird scam. Uh, that is the first piece of any other business. The second piece of any other business is during the show, uh, my phone just buzzed. You may have heard it in the background. Um, one of our Discord users has messaged, Discord user IO messaged, has there been a show recorded today? Ooh. And Google in its auto-reply manner, suggested two options. Nope and no way. (laughs) Anyway, I I am pleased to say, Io, there has been a show recorded today and this is it. Thank you for your question. And if you want to join our Discord, the link to that is in our show notes. It's a really, really nice atmosphere. A lot of listeners on there, some of whom... (laughs) have been listening to us for much longer than they really should have done. (laughs) All right, Simon, that's it, isn't it? That's our show. That's it. Going to have to go.
yeah thanks thank for you listening. so much yeah thank you to all the listeners today uh we will see you next week but until then goodbye goodbye, goodbye.